following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at ConnectionChurchNC.com. Together on Christmas Eve, and you share the Christmas story, or or a specific meal that you might eat at a at a certain occasion. Kind of traditions we all have those kind of traditions in our home. Some of us have traditions uh, that have happened because we are crazy and OCD. All right, obsessive compulsive, like like going back and checking that the door's locked fifteen times. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my wife likes to get in the car and then go, oh shoot. Did I did I leave the dryer on? Did I did I leave the hair dryer running? Did did I leave the straight? Honey, will you go check? And I'll get back. Are you sure? Was it on? Was it off? Did I leave it? I mean, it's just that kind of OCD tendency. We have traditions like that that we have created. Um, ESPN. There's some commercials on ESPN. Maybe you have seen them uh, where it's like they've got these guys that uh, the football players and they don't wash their socks right the entire season okay they don't wash their socks or their underwear or you know the the whole season or whatever and, and it's a tradition right they've it's kind of their their good luck charm kind of thing and 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 maybe you've seen this uh, like this commercial they, they there's a guy there's a few guys and they're all sitting at uh uh, on the sofa, and there's the bald guy, right? And, and the and the football team's getting ready to kick a field goal, and they're rubbing that mug's head. You know what I'm saying? And I love the tagline at the end of those commercials. It says, "It's only crazy if it doesn't work." You know what I'm saying? It's only crazy if it doesn't work. Now, the church, who some has many traditions. A lot of things that we do because we do. (laughs) A lot of things we've done because we we do them. Communion is one of those. The practice of communion was instated by Jesus and his disciples over 2,000 years ago. Now, if you're an adult in this room and you've been to a church more than a few times, there's chances that you have taken communion a couple times as you have come to church. But what we want to do this morning is take a minute and and, and kind of unpack, have we ever really stopped to truly understand what communion is? It's bread, it's juice, sure, it's all those things, but but do we truly understand what this means? Because you see, that statement, it's only crazy if it doesn't work, I think it might apply here. Communion is intended to do something for us. It's intended to evoke something out of us. And if it doesn't do something for us, if it's just a dusty, old, tired tradition that we do because we're church and, and that's what church people do, right? If that's all, it's not worth doing. It's only crazy if it doesn't work. So, why do we do communion? I want to kind of unpack that for a minute. Scripture tells us that, that Jesus and his disciples were sitting around a table, 
and they were celebrating Passover, okay, which Passover is, they were celebrating the fact that the angel of death passed over the people of Israel and, and allowed them to be free from captivity in Egypt, Okay, that's what Passover is. So Jesus is sitting at a table, uh, reclining, excuse me, with, with some friends, uh, with his disciples, and they are celebrating the fact that God led the people of Israel hundreds and hundreds of years earlier out of captivity. Now, if you've got your Bibles, right, I want you to turn along with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It'll be up on the screen. All right, so, so watch this. Turn to the word of the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Starting in verse 23, it says this. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in, in remembrance of me. So, so one of the questions that I asked myself as I, as I thought through this this week as I was studying, one of the questions I asked is, why bread? Like, like why did Jesus not say, this T-bone steak, right, represents me? Or, or, or this nachos bel grande from, from Jerusalem Taco Hut, right, is me. This is my body. No, he says, this bread is me. You see, as I said earlier, they were celebrating Passover. They were celebrating freedom from enslavement, from Egypt. You see, Passover bread was made without yeast. It's flat. Passover bread didn't have yeast in it, which yeast, if you know anything about cooking, is the substance that makes the bread rise, right? It makes it, it, it blow up. And, and this was to symbolize how quickly the people, of Egypt, uh, the people of Israel, when they were in Egypt, had to get out of Egypt. They didn't even have time to make bread properly with the yeast in it to let it rise. God said, you got to go. So make some bread. Don't put yeast in it. You guys are going. So the bread... Had no yeast. And they're in Passover celebrating this. In the Old Testament, yeast was also a symbol of sin. Throughout a lot of New Testament or Old Testament scriptures, you'll read and you'll see things that talk about yeast symbolizing sin in your life. See, when, when you begin to integrate sin into your life like yeast, it rises and begins to, to get out of control. Now, I find this interesting because a foundational belief as followers of Jesus is that Jesus was sinless. He had no yeast. It's a foundational belief that we stand on as Christians. How appropriate that the bread Jesus used was Passover bread, the yeast that symbolized sin was not there. See, because of Jesus' sinless sacrifice, sinless sacrifice, we can celebrate freedom from enslavement. People of Israel, freed from Egypt. 
because of his sinless sacrifice, we're freed from our sins. I love that idea. You see, something else that I find extremely interesting is that Bread in that day was also a symbol of sustenance, all right? It literally, bread sustained life in that day. Back in that time, that's what bread did, all right? So watch this. In John chapter 6, verse 33, get this, in in verse 48, Jesus is talking, and he says this, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then he goes on, he says, I am the bread. I'm the bread of life. See, back in that day, not everyone could enjoy meat and vegetables and fruit because those things spoiled quickly. They were expensive. They couldn't afford it. But bread, grain, everyone in that day could afford bread. Even the poorest of people could get and could make bread. In that day, bread was the staple of life. It's not like it is today, all right? We have food coming out of our ears. We drive down the road on Main Street, and we pass 45,000 restaurants, all right? We've got food coming out of our ears. We have Twinkies that are in the package that are older than my grandparents, right? But because, because food lasts forever, and we've got food just everywhere. We have an overabundance of food. But in that day, food was vital, and it was scarce. Bread became that staple. Bread was also a symbol of the Word of God. <laughs> you see, in the, the first five books of the Old Testament, it was, it's called the Torah. And, and in the Old Testament times, they, they looked at bread as a symbol of God's presence. They even had loaves of bread in the temple in the Old Testament that symbolized God's presence. It symbolized God's provision that he literally would provide for the people of Israel's needs. It's like God saying, I'm, I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to supply you. Bread symbolized God's provision. <laughs> His word, the Bible, becomes like food, spiritual food to us. And I love this. Because then you find in, in, in John 1, look at this scripture, because it blows my mind. In John 1, 1 through 4, it says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him, through the Word, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The Word of God sustains us. Now get this, in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And you see, so what Jesus was doing, He said the bread of life in the Old Testament, guess what? I'm the Word. The Word became flesh. And as He sat at that Passover meal with His disciples, He comes full circle. He breaks the bread and says, Take, this is my body. Consume the bread of life. I'm going to share this with you. This one's for free. (laughs) Jesus was born in Bethlehem, correct? In Hebrew, the word Bethlehem means house of bread. What in the world? Isn't God funny? Jesus, the bread, sinless bread of life, came from the bread factory. I mean, God's blaring the sign, showing the light, saying, guys, get this. The Word became flesh. He is my Son, and my Son is telling you to consume Him. You want sustenance? Do you want your life to be sustained? Take and eat of the bread. This isn't a dusty old tradition of something that we just take two or three minutes in the service because we do. This is the symbol of the Word of God who became flesh for us, sinless sacrifice for us. And he's saying, if you want to live for me, if you want to have an abundant life in me, you have to take of me daily. Some of you, some of us today, are spiritually starving ourselves because we're not consuming him. You want to know how to live in this life? You want to live abundantly for God? Consume him. This is all about Jesus. It's not paper. It's not a cow wrapped around a tree. Do you get that? Cow wrapped around a tree. It's about the Son of God. And if you want to get through this life, consume Him. In just a second, the ushers are going to come up. They're going to hand out some bread. I want you to look at it. Smell it. Feel it. Don't eat it. All right, hang on to it. Ask yourself this question. Am I feeding on His Word? Am I feeding on the very words of God that as He became flesh and lived this life, embodied the Word, am I getting into that today so that I can live for Him? Are we going to take Him daily? Or are we spiritually starving ourselves? Mm. 1 Corinthians 11, looking at verse 25, it says this, in the same way, after supper, He took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.
So another question I ask myself this week is, why wine? Like why did he choose a cup and a drink? Why? Because even though this, this verse in 1 Corinthians doesn't specifically say he used wine, we know that he used wine because other scriptures say that. And, and because it was customary in that time at the end of a meal for them to kind of offer a toast, um, kind of a blessing on the people that they were with. And so he offers wine. Wine in that day typically symbolized celebration. It was a, a symbol of victory. You know, like like when when uh, the the whatever team wins in the Super Bowl this year, what do they do when they go off the field? They go into the locker room and break out the bubbly. You know what I'm talking about? Put the goggles on, shoot it everywhere. Victory, right? They're celebrating. Wine was used at weddings. It was used in uh, in in victory when the the athletes in in the uh, Olympics would win the games. It was used when a warring nation would come home from victory. They would break out the wine. They would have a feast. They would have a celebration for what had just happened. And then Jesus goes all vampire on us. <laughs> and he says, this wine is my blood in the new covenant. It's interesting because blood was a symbol of sacrifice. Not celebration, not victory. It was a symbol of losing your life. Bloodshed is what blood typically was a symbol of. You see, the interesting thing is that in the Old Testament, when, when someone would commit a sin... This is going to get a little bit graphic. They had to take an animal, lay it on an altar, a big altar. Kill the animal, take a bowl or a cup, and let the blood run from the animal. And then they would take the blood and sprinkle it on the altar. It was a symbol that God had established in the Old Testament that their wrongs, the sins that they had committed, the things that they had done in their life that were wrong were covered by the blood of that animal. And get this, the sin was covered, but not forgotten. The sin was covered, but not forgotten. And then you see in Hebrews 9, we see this crazy statement. It says this, The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, all right, the sinners, the blood of the animal put on the sinner sanctifies them, get this, so that they are outwardly clean. It's covered, but it's not forgotten. 14 says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished, perfect, sinless, to God. How much more will that cleanse our consciousness, our consciences, our inside, 
from acts that lead to death. Get this. Why? So that we may serve the living God. You see, friends, when Jesus took this cup and said, this is my blood, he was saying, I am getting ready to pour out myself on the cross as your perfect, sinless sacrifice so that once and for all, the sin that we committed years ago, the sin that we committed this morning, and the sin that we're going to commit in the future is covered by His perfect, sinless sacrifice. It covers us so fully and so completely that like it says in Hebrews, it actually frees us up. It frees our conscience up because we are aware that there's nothing that we can do. That it's just God and His sacrifice. It frees us up to be able to live for Him. Friends, that is where victory lives. You want to live a celebratory, victorious life in Jesus Christ? The reason that we do this, we consume it daily, and we cover ourselves with this, is so that we can live an abundant life in the presence of Jesus Christ, allowing Him to lead us now in freedom. None of us are perfect. We will never be able to live up to the expectations that God set for us. That's why He sent His Son to be that perfect, sinless sacrifice. You see, the old covenant that the Jews had to live by in the Old Testament of sacrificing bulls and goats and covering the altar and, and all that kind of stuff, that was all done away with. In fact, that sacrifice didn't cover. It just temporarily took it away. The memory of sins past and the fear of future sins was the monkey that was always on the back of the people of Israel. Do you understand? Are you tracking with me right now? The monkey on the back. I don't know if about you, but I have felt that way where I just can't measure up. And Jesus says, you're not going to. See, Jesus' blood unbinds us. It sets us free because of His perfect, sinless sacrifice. It looses the chains of the memory of past sin. And it frees us up from fear of future sin because we're going to sin in the future. It frees us up to have a conscience sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. But we have to believe it. So many of us walk around chained up and bound up and hindered by our sin even though Jesus paid the debt. Friends, I said this a few weeks ago. We can stand from victory, not for it. We're not praying for victory. Victory's already occurred. Jesus Christ won the battle. The war is over. The movie is done. But we have to believe. We have to have the faith like a child, to believe it. You see, it's in that unhindered faith that Jesus' blood covers us completely. We have victory 
in the blood of Jesus. Pass out the wine, celebrate, stink and get excited because Jesus saves the day. As the ushers are going to come out, they're going to pass out the juice. I want to ask you a question. Are you living in freedom? Not because of how good you are or what your sin streak is. But are you living sprinkled clean because of his blood? Because he covers us completely. As the juice comes around, take it. Look at it. Hang on to it. This symbolizes his complete sacrifice for us. And in that, (laughs) that's where we celebrate. That's where we are victorious. When we live covered by him. And instead of a dusty old tradition, this is a celebration meal for the return of the King. We are celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ is risen and He's coming again. So, if you want to give your life to that and say, I don't want to live this life on my own, Jesus I want you to live through me. I'll sign up for that. I don't like living in in the guilt and the sin and all this kind of stuff and trying to do it on my own. But Jesus, I'll let you come in and I'll let you lead me and you guide me. I'll sign up for that gladly. If you have never accepted Christ with every head up and every eye open, this is a decision that takes you being willing to stand up and say, I will follow Jesus with everything. If that's you this morning... Raise your hand. Now's your time. Thank you. Thank you. Make thank you. Make that stand. Amen. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your life, and he doesn't leave you to do it on your own. Amen. So do this with me. On the night that our Lord was sacrificed, he took the bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, this is my body, and eat. Eat of the bread, friends. Consume the body of Jesus. And then on that same night, he took the cup, and he passed it to the disciples, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The old is gone, and the new has come. Take and drink of my blood. Take of the cup. Whereas I don't know about you, but I want to share this last thought with you this morning. (laughs) It's only crazy if it doesn't work. When we take communion, it should invoke a memory. It should invoke something in us. That's why when in Scripture it says, do this in remembrance of me, that word remembrance doesn't mean a tired, old, dusty tradition, an old memory of the past. What it means is remembrance is designed to drive us to want to do something. When we take of the body and the blood, it means we're doing that daily. Not once every quarter or once every year. We're consuming Him daily. You want to live in abundance now, and you want to stand in the hope of eternity that Jesus is coming back? That's why we are here. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for those that made the commitment that they want to follow you with the rest of their life, God. I pray that in this moment that they would just drop everything they have at the altar, Lord. And God, thank you that as we celebrated just earlier today, God, we're going to be your church by celebrating in the body and blood of you. As we take these turkey dinners, God, these Thanksgiving dinners out to this community, and we are your body. We are the body of Christ, Lord, in this community. Thank you, Jesus, that we can celebrate and live a life free, unhindered and unchained by our sins, God. Fully devoted to you, Jesus. Give him glory, Lord. Amen.